Welcome to the Self Starter Show. I'm your host, Steve Clare, and on this show, you're gonna be hearing from entrepreneurs. You're gonna hear about their wins that got them where they are, their losses, and everything in between, as well as the advice that they have that helped them along the way. Along with bonus solo episodes of my personal secrets of life, success, and empathy sprinkled in for you, the listener, like chapters of a great book, each episode will provide you with a bit of a cheat code to success and happiness. Well, it's finally happened. After 20 plus years of working out and running, I finally found my favorite shoe ever. Yep, it's here. Two years ago, I swore off of big corp shoes. No Nike, no Adidas, no Reebok, no New Balance, no nothing. I just found this new small shoe brand out of Austin, Texas called Atreyu. That's A-T-R-E-Y-U.com. Atreyu comes in five different models, three colorways per model, and it is by far the greatest shoe I've ever worked out in. Whether hitting the pavement or working out at the gym, Atreyu is the best shoe I've ever worn. You can go find them online, and I will swear by them. And now, back to our show. On this week's episode, we have Meg Hayden. Meg is an international fitness trainer. She's a life coach, and she is the global master trainer for Techno Gym. Techno Gym is a lifestyle fitness product that, fitness product, fitness machinery that is, how would you explain Techno Gym? Uh, they're just, uh, yeah, they're uh, pretty much like the top equipment manufacturer they are the distributor top. in the in the world they right, are actually I, more europe based right. and asia based and they're bridging that. into us but as you can see they're everywhere in the us too and i remember like probably four or five years ago at this point uh techno gym was the first fitness equipment that i remember that you go use it and it would track all your all your reps and it would uh it would sync with uh with the gym that you're working out with with your work that you're working out at it would, it would sync with your iWatch, and when you come back a few days later, you could go through what you had done in the past. Yeah, they're amazing at bridging the gap between just equipment and providing value as a service for training, right? So they allow people to really get way more insight about their training. Like you said, you can track your history of where you're with, with machines, and, and uh, it's... Um, They've really revolutionized uh, fitness equipment and and produced top-notch quality equipment that lasts a long time, long, long time. Amazing. So that's yeah. Techno Gym. But let's keep talking about Meg. Meg is sponsored by All Things Sustainable. If you are a brand, fair to say? Yeah. yeah. If you're a brand and you want to work with Meg, if you are not a sustainable product, she probably is going to say no. She is one of the most true, real-to-herself trainers and more so people I've ever met. She will not even think about sponsoring a product or even posting a product or talking about a product if it isn't sustainable. If you are a brand that has sustainable products but some of your products aren't sustainable, don't bother sending her the non-sustainable ones because she will give them out to her friends, she won't use them herself, and she definitely won't be putting it on her social media, which has garnished over 120,000 followers in the last 18 months. A little over 100. A little yeah. over 100,000 followers in the last 18 <clears throat> months. And it's not just because she's a great trainer, but it's also because she's great at content and she's great at branding. Meg 
is one of the few, and I'm sorry if this hits some people the wrong way, Meg is one of the few trainers that I have ever come across who can properly brand herself. She has branded herself, take off with Meg, and that is what all of her clients do. They take off. She has changed thousands of lives. And without further ado, here is Meg Hayden. Thank you so much for an intro. You got it. So let's just dive into it. What are you doing right now? Um, my main thing has always been in-person training. Um, ever since the beginning, I've always loved being able to take a body and kind of just optimize it for performance and Define function. Body. And, uh, any person with, with a living, <laughs> living body, I guess. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm, I call myself the mechanic, and so like, I'm very technical. Uh, I've tried to grow community, and I love doing community events and bigger things and, and being able to work with a lot of people at one time, but I love being able to focus on one person at a time and really uh, kind of like take them down or, or regress them to whatever level they need to build back their body and, and be able to take off. How have you been able to manage taking care of one person at a time as your brand and as yourself has been growing? I think social media is a, is a great resource for that because I can be a one-on-one -on -one coach and still be able to reach masses through something that isn't really my bread and butter. Um, like I train eight clients throughout the day, but I never really post it on my social media anymore. Um, my social media has kind of just had a whole different, I've had a pr different purpose for my social media, which is how do I, you know, again, how do I encourage, inform, educate, and inspire uh, as many people as possible to try to, you know, live out their full potential and take care of themselves and, and uh, really give themselves a body that works with them versus against them. And how often are people coming to you with goals that you think are, I'm not going to say not attainable, but more so not, not realistic. Like are people looking for this magazine body when they shouldn't be looking for a magazine body? I think that I've been very, <clears throat> and I'm not sure whether this is because of the way that I present myself on social media or not, but I get very, I guess, realistic goals of, from people that come to me. It's more so, hey, I really want to change something and give me the plan to do that. Um, it's not, I don't have too many like, hey, I have a wedding in one month and I got to lose 30 pounds or, you know, I got to get ready for this vacation in two months and whatever. It's, uh, or at least in the first conversation that I'm with people, I kind of set the expectations. And, and I think most people, when they see me, they know that I haven't done any quick fixes for my life. I haven't had any major transformations or anything. It's, I've tried to be as sustainable and, and uh, consistent throughout like, my training journey. And I, and I think I attract people that believe in the same methods. And most people, when they come to me, they want to, again, be empowered to learn for themselves on, on how to optimize their well-being and, and health and fitness. But also, they know that it's a lifelong journey and it's a lifelong relationship with your body that you have to you know, take care of. And it's, it's not something that you can just learn and instill and then throw out the window the second you feel or look a certain way. It's, it's something that you, know, you have to start incorporating little by little and, and soon it will, I think, not only just have you look or feel the way that you want, but it, it, um, it's kind of like healing from within out or from, from within. 
versus just trying to do everything just from the outside. If that makes sense. A hundred percent. It makes sense. Now I'm happy you said that you didn't, you yourself aren't someone who just had this quick fix. It's all been sustainable through your whole life. Let's, let's go back. You didn't, you didn't just become, become a trainer overnight. It was a whole entire process and not just a trainer, but a coach, a life coach. You're very inspirational. Where did that come from before you started getting into training and fitness for other people? Where were you and how did you dive into that? Um, absolutely. My, my childhood was filled with activities. My parents tried to throw me into everything to see what I might want to do. And I didn't say no to anything and I didn't want to quit anything. What did, so, what did you start with? So I started with dance. Uh, I started with ballet um, and I played soccer and tennis. And <clears throat> I grew up in Hawaii, so everything was how to be outside, how to be active. I surfed, we'd you know, fish for little fish within the rocks uh, <laughs> when the tide came in. Um, we, everything was just how do you do things with the people that you love and enjoy nature and our world around us. Um, and then when I moved to Connecticut at eight, uh, that's when activity had to be a little bit more structured. So. I was the girl who went from soccer practice at school to eat at home real quick to go to tennis practice at, at you know later in the evening. Um, I was always doing sports and I always played sports full year round or all year round. So um, playing two sports all year round all the time was a lot. And everything I wanted to do was to get me better at my sport, to get me better for my team. Or what do you mean by everything you did? Like so, if for instance, your diet, your, yeah, your, and your training outside of the, of the sport. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, one, like I had so many different coaches telling me different advice for so many different sports, but every single thing that I learned, you know, there's when, when a teacher talks to you or, or someone, if you're passionate about the class, you're going to want to take everything that they tell you and absorb it and instill it and incorporate it into your training. Well, also, and some as people a child, are just kind of like, yeah, 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 whatever. Right, but also you being know? a child, being very impressionable, if your coach is telling you something, that's a matter of fact, and that's 100%. Totally. Yeah, and so I was very grateful to have so many different coaches in my life where I was able to grab and take good pointers from all of them. But um, when I was a junior in high school, junior spring is prime recruiting time for any college sport. And I tore my shoulder junior spring. And so I was playing soccer and tennis competitively. I didn't really know which one I wanted to go for in college. I thought maybe I could be play, could play both. Mm -hmm. And when that happened, the doctor said either you get surgery and you probably won't have time to get recruited for anything or pick the non-shoulder sport and go for it. So that's how I ended up playing soccer in college. I got recruited. I went to University of Richmond. And that Those was spiders. junior roll spuds. And that was junior spring. And I'm very, very stubborn, especially when it comes to physical activity. If someone like gives me a task to do and I can't do it, I will learn everything I can to try to make that task that happen. Come from? I just think I'm a stubborn Taurus that and I and I love to be able to do things. I I'm very Was that competitive. at all from your brother, your parents, like what happened in your house that made you want to compete like did you ever were you competing with your brother growing up all the time all there, the time. there you go yeah older brother younger brother older so i would never win but i always wanted to win i always wanted to beat him and then when i couldn't beat him i would just switch sports so then i didn't have <laughs> competition anymore um, but um but yeah so when i tore my shoulder i had all of summer before my senior year and so i went to the hospital's like go-to spot for physical therapy in our town 
And I learned how to rehab about 200 shoulders in that summer. I interned under a physical therapist Damn. and I was like, put me in the shoulder section. <laughs> and uh, being able to learn from them and have all these actionable steps of how to take care of my shoulder versus just let it dangle while I was focusing on soccer gave me one, the, the tools to be able to fix it by myself, but also it really empowered me to know that I could do anything and, you know, get past any obstacles and, and carry on. And, and, uh, and so that summer or that next year, senior year, uh, I went back to school. I had a couple extra electives left. I saw sports medicine was an elective I could take. I said, I want to take that. Learned how to tape a bunch of different ankles and learned about anatomy and everything. And I just found myself actually wanting to really go through the textbook where other, you know, classes I would kind of skip out on or not be as motivated to, to really learn about. Yeah, because there are electives like you're taking it just to fill a credit versus actually taking something that you enjoy. Right. But then my elective ended up being something that I enjoyed more than anything else. That's super dope. And so when it came to what I was going to study in school before that, I didn't really know what my major was going to be. And immediately I was like, nope, that is what I want to study. And playing division one soccer while I was studying exercise physiology was just an amazing opportunity again to just take everything that I learned that day in class and incorporate it into either my lifestyle, whether it be nutrition, whether it be rest, whether it be, you know, um, whether it be training, whether it be anything. And of course, I only wanted my fellow teammates to know the same information. So then I started getting into advising other people and you got to do this with me or eat this before your game or, you know, whatever. And, and, uh, when I graduated college, I mean, I had a, I had a couple stories in between that. Um, my dad specifically in college was, it was a big wake up call when it came to health. And of course you want to take care of your family more than anyone else. So what happened? So when I was a junior in college, so you were how old? About 20? I was about 20. Yeah. My dad, all of a sudden he calls me up. I'm in Miami at the time. I transferred down to Miami, University of Miami. And Were you playing soccer for the Hurricanes? I did not. My team actually beat the Hurricanes that year. And when I was transferring, I only had one eligible season left. And, uh, and at that time you had to hold out a year if you transferred? No, but it was a false sport. Got so it. by the time I like really earned my position on the team, mm -hmm. the season probably would have been over. Got it. And I heard the coach was not someone that I would have wanted to work with. Fair so enough. I said, I'm just going to enjoy Miami. <laughs> And I did, <laughs> but, um, my dad, uh, when I was down in Miami, my mom called me and she said, Hey, your dad's in the hospital. He has an infection, but the doctors don't know where it's coming from. And I said, okay, well it's like Wednesday. So just keep me updated as much as possible. And I was hoping obviously for the best Friday came around and he was still in the hospital. The doctor still did not know why he had an infection, where it was coming from. And because of his age, he was 80. 80 at the time they really just prescribed him rust and saline and medicine and that wasn't something that i could digest so that friday i flew back home went straight to the hospital started doing a whole body scan and i'd take off the sheet of his of his bed and one leg was double the size of the other i go to the doc i said hey doc what's going on with this leg the doc goes oh that might be where the infection's coming from what the fuck my reaction exactly <laughs> and so obviously it was an infection not something that as a movement scientist or yeah. a, a physiologist would be able to really tackle but my knowledge of the body so far was okay well i know circulation helps 
body processes happen faster and it helps the body heal and whatever. And all they prescribed him was rest. He was literally bedridden. So as an 80 year old or anyone older in age know that one week bedridden is a year off of bone density of your life, which is extremely, which is why when older people fall, it's a very accelerated way towards the end of their life because normally they're bedridden for a little bit. And then once they start moving again, their bone density is a lot more frail and a lot more things can happen. But anyway, so all I, again, all I knew as a, as a movement person was I got to get this guy moving. So I start moving his ankles, doing some like angle stuff. I put his foot on my shoulder and I'm like, do a leg press with one leg in your bed, you know, and I, I gave him some resistance. Then we got his arms moving. We this got is whatever. With, with the swollen leg. So because of the leg was swollen, he couldn't stand. He couldn't bear weight on his leg. So the doctor, again, all they did was sit back in their office. My dad was in their bed. So I said, okay. Do you, every, remember, do you remember which hospital he was in? Greenwich Hospital. One of the, like, supposed to be the best hospitals yep. in Connecticut. Um, but they gave him lobster dinner, so the, so they took care of him in that way. But anyway, so I yeah, I made him do all this movement, and every three hours we did like a thirty-minute session. And by the end of the day, I had him standing. By the next day, he was walking down the hall. And when I tell you, every single doctor looked shocked. I was like, "What are all of you doing?" Like. There's no physical therapist that can do anything with him. He was like getting bed sores on his back from laying in, in a bed for all day long. And I was just like, as his daughter, I was like, I want to get you moving. I can't have you in a wheelchair. Let's get up. This is crazy. Crazy. This is crazy. You're at Greenwich Hospital, which is, like you said, probably the best in Connecticut. And it took you, a college student, flying up from Miami to realize here's where uh, the infection's probably coming from. I'm going to make this happen. And within a week, you had him walking. Within days, you had him within walking. Within two days, I had him walking. And within five days, he was out of the hospital. God damn. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's hard because I get it. As, as older population, a lot of people don't really have the drive, the motivation to continue going, right? And so a lot of doctors have to deal with that. They have to deal with people that maybe don't really want to help themselves. Yep. My father is the complete opposite. If you give my father an actionable step to get better, he will do it. And <clears throat> that was a huge, actually, bonding time for my father and I because he was almost thinking that he was out because he was listening to the doctors. And I came in and wouldn't have that for an answer. And I was the stubborn one who was like, no, we're going to do something about this. Whether it works or not, I'm going to do it. And when it started working, he was like, okay, let's, and he wanted to do more. So it started motivating to him to do more. Once he was out of the hospital, he started training again every day. He started, you know, really trying to do the things that could keep him up healthy and moving. And, and once I saw that movement could do that to someone's life, I said, okay, this is it. And that's when I was like, okay, I really want to help as many people as possible. If I know that, you know, this part of the healthcare industry can really change lives and, and do everything because all I knew was the athlete perspective, right? All I knew was how do I get one extra goal in that game? Or how do I get two seconds faster in that sprint? Or my dad is like, how do I just stand and not hurt? Or how do I move around the house and be independent? So being able to come from a performance standpoint, but also see a longevity standpoint, all of my you know education and all of my motivation towards this field and this industry since then has been how do I reach everyone in between? Um, that's why all of my methodology is on 
you know, I want to take care of how you're going to move when you're 90. You know, all of these classes that really try to tear down the body or burn the most amount of calories possible or how do we just do, do, do as much as possible, which I feel like is also a, um, uh, what's it called? Just a, a part of New York City. As do you everything work in New with, York City is. Do you work with now uh, people of an older demographic? Totally. All my independent clients are either people who have injuries, people who are um, have some sort of limitation, or uh, or like a you know executive who really put a lot of effort and time into their careers, and maybe not as much into their bodies. And now they're trying to, you know, now they're at a place in their life where they can prioritize a little bit more and they're seeking an expert who can take care of them, someone they can trust, someone they want to spend time with and, and, uh, someone, and someone that, with a track record cares about them. Yeah. And someone with a track record like yours. Yeah. And I care a lot about my clients, but, um, but my biggest thing is again, like a lot of, a lot of people or a lot of trainers try to kill their clients in every session. I've tried to make my clients feel better be able to stand up taller so that they can go into their meeting and crush it you know and and feel better throughout the day versus be taken out for the day so that's kind of been my methodology but all of my other training services has been to uh provide and um for everyone who is either just out of college i still train some like ex-athletes who want to keep up with their sport maybe they're playing a co-ed or maybe they're playing a pickup basketball league or they're still playing tennis all the time or whatever, getting them better at that sport. But ultimately it's again, how can I get you to spend more time with your kids and not hurt? Or how can I get you to, like I did a couple of days ago, move 80 pairs of dumbbells. How do I get you to move out of your house and not complain about your back hurting you for a week? And you know, give you tools to make your life easier, more manageable, and have you be able to do everything that you set your mind to. That's, that's my biggest thing. So, I, I love what you did for your dad. And I feel like that was a moment for you that was kind of like an aha moment that like everything I've been working for for the last, or working for everything I've been learning, whether it's self-education or in school and implementing in your own life with your teammates, you now saw it in like a real life or death situation. Huge. And that sounds like that's what catapulted you towards the rest of your life. So tell me what, when you went back to Miami, what was the rest of the semester like? and then give me that plus the next year, two years, leading up to coming to New York? Yeah, by it wasn't until my senior year that I felt confident being able to work with other bodies. That's another thing. Trainers, please, educate yourselves to a level where you are extremely confident with any type of client before starting to work with someone. Because you literally have someone's life and their body in your hands. Um, whether you have liability insurance or not, <laughs> Take care of your people, okay? But I did not feel confident working with anyone until I felt like I had a really good education knowledge behind my belt. And this was after 18 years of me being an athlete. Mm -hmm. um, only when I was that much through school, I was like, okay, now I can really start doing this. And my externship, my senior year, was uh, with this company called Fast Twitch um, Academy. They have about three locations, at least when I was there, um, around the Fort Lauderdale, Miami area. And they worked with all athletes from you know, 10 years old through high school, through college into like combine prep, uh, XYZ. So again, this is where I really dove into, I really want to work with athletes. Um, you know, what muscles are firing for every exercise and going into the performance of the 1%. Um, 
Um, when I graduated from there, I moved up to here to be close to my parents. And that's when everything changed because there's not any 1% of athletes in New York City. <laughs> it's no. all general pop. And so right. now I had to change from- General pop, but a massive fitness community. Definitely, definitely. Um, but in a sense where people, again, aren't caring about that 1% difference. They're just caring about how do I feel my best? How do I, how do I balance out this crazy New York lifestyle that I have mm -hmm. and feel, you know, and, and be able to perform at my best. So that, that was the coolest thing of being able to, where I was now talk or in school, we were talking about angles and of the body and mechanics and everything at such a high level. And then I got someone that I had to break down a squat. So I'm like, hey, squat for me. And they're like, what? And I was like, oh my God, how do I, how do I simplify a squat, you know? Yeah. And so then being able to look at the body from a totally different perspective of, okay, we got to start from literally ground zero. And did you feel like for a second, did you feel like, what the hell am I doing? No, I felt my job is that much more needed. Let's go. Um, and that much more important. And it was really cool because I went straight into Equinox where I knew that they had a great footprint in the city. Mm -hmm. I knew that it would be a great stepping stone or foundation for my career in the city. Which Equinox did you start I at? I started at Wall Street. Okay. Um, and it was cool because everyone gave me the hardest clients to deal with, <laughs> which really built me up and my experience and my, you know, and for my skill set hugely. And at Equinox, they're really all about volume. So if you want to make money, you got to be doing nine to 10 sessions a day. And I was there from 6 a.m. until 9 p.m. for 18 months. And the amount of experience that I got in those 18 months helped me so much be Hell able to yeah. handle different personalities, be able to handle the volume of that work, to be able to, to program for that many different types of people. And, because everyone I got was different. It's not like I got the same prototype or the same, you know. No, I'm imagining you have at least over a half a dozen different types of bodies per day. Easily, easily. What a great um, way to be thrown into the fire. Absolutely. Uh, and so that was a great experience of, again, how to deal with everything at once so that when I left, I was able to lower my book a little bit, increase my value a little bit. And that's when I went to Performance House. Performance House took me in. It was right when they were opening. Um, and that really catapulted my whole career because now I was this little baby fish in with all of these fitness moguls. Um, there well, were so, Peloton instructors. Right, there so were, baby fish now in the sea with all the sharks. Oh yeah, I Fair was in the sharks. <laughs> I, I will never forget. I was in the onboarding you know, meeting with everyone. <laughs> and, and two guys, <laughs> Angela Grinciri and Harris Marietta, two phenomenal trainers in the city. I'm like just getting to know them, meeting them. They're talking about these two certifications, uh, functional movements, uh, functional range conditioning and kettlebell uh, strong first. And <laughs> I'm coming in, I'm like, guys, don't get the certification. Let's all do it together and we'll have fun. I'm like, do it. They're like, we did that like two or three years ago. I was like, I was like yeah, 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 totally. Um, sounds good, sounds good. And I was just so embarrassed that I was this little baby <laughs> fish. And even though I had all that amazing experience and that huge volume experience, these guys have been in the field for 10 years. They've been in, they're all training celebrities. Again, they're Peloton instructors. They're, they are with it. They've, they've been Nike instructors for five, six years. And, and I was in this amazing space where. How many other women were in the space with you? Um, there was about maybe like six 
I want to say there's a good there's a good amount of women in there. Nice. But I was so grateful to have there was like two pools of people in that space. There were people who were amazing at content and like fitness influencers, like and there Devin, were like Devin. Yeah, like Devin, like Evan, exactly. And there were people who were amazing coaches and um, just amazing, yeah, at, at everything that had to do with coaching. And so I learned from both sides so well, and that's what catapulted me into learning everything about content and building my content side, yeah. and then building me up as a coach. Anytime I had a question about a client, we also had an amazing physical therapy spot, uh, group reload. And so being able to learn from all these people while I was had a little bit of extra time now because I lowered my volume, focused on my uh, select group of clients, or I had to like restart my book because I left my whole book at Equinox. And were you able to take anyone with you? What's all the I only rules took on a that? few. Um, you know, Equinox is very strict on that. I didn't want to have any bad blood, but you know, of course, some people are like, "I'm gonna follow you to the rest of the world," you know. So, so yeah, some people did come with me, but um, but that was an amazing space that really expanded everything for me. Um, that's when, because I was so un undereducated, even though I had a college degree. Um, that's where I really just did every single certification I could. I got about five certifications under my belt in those next few years. And then COVID came and the whole gym fell out from underneath everyone. And so then it was like, Meg, who are you? What do you stand for? What's your mission? And, you know, as a one-on-one -on -one coach, as a private coach, you don't have to have a brand. You don't have to have anything that you really, you're just a trainer. You care about each person that comes in to see you. And now it was like, who but, is but Megan that's, Hayden? Right, but, but that's not you. Right, so then I was like, you know what? I gotta, what, who am I? And it was a great exp exploratory time for me where I was like, okay, let's build this. So <laughs> I was, <clears throat> with all my free time of COVID, I built a website on my own, no experience. I started to build a, an LLC. I had a- I, I feel like you skipped the step. Name. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Where'd the name come from? Or did you not Take have off. the name? Yeah, where did, it, where did it come from? So my dad was a pilot. Okay. My dad was like Top Gun. So that's why I love that movies. There are those, now there's two. Um, but my dad was, was on an aircraft carrier uh, pilot doing all the cool missions when he was young. And then he became a glorified bus driver for the rest of his life, uh, flying Pan Am for 45 years until Pan Am went under. And uh, my mom was a first class stewardess for Pan Am. And so they actually met at a photo shoot and they were both married, uh, hit it off. Oh, Five years God. later, they're on the same crew together to Tokyo and they're both not married. Uh, normally the crew all gets together whenever they do international for dinner. Yeah. Crew of like 50 and 20. That night, no one showed up besides my dad and my mom. Oh my God. And till this day, we're like, dad paid all the other crew off to, get, to have a date with my mom. Has he admitted to but, that? That sounds like he definitely did that. <laughs> you never admitted to it. <laughs> but, um, but that's how they, they met. And then they got together. And How long ago did they get married? They got married, I want to say almost, oh God, I'm definitely going to butcher this. I want to say 35. Oh, they need a vow renewal at the 40. TWA hotel. Yeah, right? Yes. <laughs> But so that's why my whole brand is around takeoff because I just wanted to pay tribute to my parents. I love them so much and they've given me everything that I've, that I've, you know, built up for, to be. And, you know, they're, they're the reason for everything that I do. So, um, everything is, you know, attributed to them and, and it's just so crazy that takeoff has so many good puns and so many good like ways of marketing. Like 
whenever I do a, a new program release, I say boarding doors are open, you know, like. It's amazing. And, and whatever. Where to, how many iterations of the logo did you go through? Um, it's a great logo. It's a kettlebell with wings. Yeah, uh, maybe about 10. Um, she just kept throwing different options at me and then we started getting closer and closer to what I wanted and then I was like, I think that's it. And at that point, were you very kettlebell focused? Because I know you do a lot with kettlebells. Yes, I was very kettlebell focused at that time. Well, it was COVID. So we didn't have any equipment besides kettlebells. Right. A year before COVID happened, I got my kettlebell certification and, and to get your kettlebell certification, they have a very specific skill test, which takes about three months to get ready for. So again, thank goodness I had all those amazing mentors who went through that same program at Performance House. So I had great training, passed it with flying colors, and it was kind of just like my fun toy at the time. And then it became the only toy I could play with for all of COVID. So I got really, really good at it. Mm -hmm. And everyone kind of viewed me as a kettlebell girl because again, that's all I really had. But then when Jim was reopened. Yeah, it was also, it was, it was a lot of what you were posting, but it was also your logo was a kettlebell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So fair enough. Yeah, and then Jim's back op uh, opened up again and I said, oh, I love this barbell. So <laughs> I got back into barbells and I mean, I think just again, training every day and being in this industry for years and years and years, you're, some people might be married to one thing forever, but you also want to have fun and try new things and everything. So I've definitely had my way around most things at the gym and, and uh, you end up falling in love with everything for their own purpose. So. so you started, first off, love how this has grown and I love how you've adapted and pivoted into more equipment and growing and have been growing your training base but when you first built the website how did the business start taking off so yeah i was doing zooms group zooms at 8 a.m charging for what? five dollars during covid how many people came five to first? five every time how sometimes did you, how did not you grow sometimes that? a little more um it was more so just to give me a purpose to get out of bed i said i don't care who shows up one person can show up i'm gonna be here at 8 a.m every morning and it was a way for me to have that routine again um, and a push, I was also coaching for ladder at the time, which is an online program for um, say it again, ladder, ladder. Are they still around? They are still around. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, I had a partner at the time and, and we built a program on ladder, which was one program that went out to who's your partner as many people as possible. Her name was Lauren. Cool. Um, and, uh, and that was my first time trying to provide a mainstream product or a general product, and I couldn't do it. I was like, I can't, I don't know how these people are really doing it. I don't know how these people are really moving. I don't know if I'm actually really taking care of them. And of course we got amazing feedback, but I cared too much about each individual person. I couldn't just like make a general program and be like one size fits all. And so that's when I whitelisted a platform um, and created Take Off With Meg remote training where I could build custom programs for anyone. Um, and that's was, I just found way more passion into that because now I had a monthly call with that individual person. I got to have an actual real touch point with them, see what their real concerns are, their goals are, and build out a program for them and... and uh, Sounds like a first class product. Yeah, and I was able to scale that way. That's um, something I call business class. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. Um, but yeah, so I was just a little bit more passionate about that. So I love saying yes to everything. Cool. But I'm also really good at leaving things that I'm not, well, I don't, a, I don't feel like I'm, I mesh well with. To be able to do that, that's a skill set. So 
of so many people and, and trainers maybe younger than me have, have asked me, you know, you're doing so well and it seems like you're doing great at everything. I have failed so many times at so many different things, but that's the beauty of it. You're trying it. So you can't be afraid of failure. You know, you're, you got to at least fail a few times at one thing before you start getting good at it. You got to learn from your mistakes, right? So I've just been really good at just, you know, I think one of the biggest things about growing up in Hawaii and living a simple lifestyle and a, you know, liquid free flowing thing is you just kind of got to dance with all the different things and rock with the waves and, and keep pushing. All right. Give me a couple of brands that you're working with right now that you really appreciate what they stand for. Um, well, I do love working with Techno Gym uh, because they've really taught me so much about uh, class, like training, training an audience and being a performer because it's a, it's a class driven platform that I'm on for them. Um, and uh, they're really about, you know, putting quality things out there. Uh, honestly, I was working with a bunch of brands and then over the last six months, I kind of cut my content off. That's, those are one of my failures. Uh, I worked with a few different content teams and uh, things did not work out as they should have. And uh, Why didn't they work out? Uh, I paid a lot of money to a content team that we shot six days in a row. And then I was supposed to get three months of content from those heavy six shooting days and they ghosted me. So they took my money and ran. Where did and you get this company from? I'm assuming it came from a referral. It was a referral, but. Would your referral, the person who gave you the referral, what'd they have to say when you were like, what the fuck? That's unfortunate. Damn. <laughs> um, you know, he didn't, the person that took my money didn't, apparently has, like, he dissolved the company and it failed and he's now working a nine to five. So he's like, I can't really pay you back or when I, I'll try to pay you back when I can, which I haven't seen it since sent yet, and it's been over six months. So that kind of took me out of the content game, and I was like, I'm just gonna focus on training. <laughs> so, so my content is very, like, I grew crazy. That sounds so defeating. Oh yeah, and, and that's why like my page has kind of been quiet for the last three months, because I'm just kind of like, I kind of, I was like really gung-ho about working with this top-notch content team and providing top-notch content. And then I was like, I guess I got to shoot on my iPhone again. And then I didn't really want to post what I was filming on my iPhone. I needed to be too productive because I still am working and trying to obviously make that money back as well. So then I just kind of was working towards the things that I know would bring me money, like my training, like everything else I was filling my cup. And I just kind of pushed content on the side and right now I'm kind of interviewing teams to work with but interviewing content teams yeah but also I mean I had about six to seven brands that I had contracts with and because of those contracts or my content not being delivered all those deals went through or failed so I lost a lot of money in the process um, and uh, and now I'm like scared to work with brands because I don't feel like I have that content, you know, safety net underneath me or that support underneath me. So uh, again, like I'm just kind of starting to rebuild that, but that's amazing because nobody yeah. would ever know that because, you know, you put out such a 110% everyday energy, lift everybody else up. Who's here to lift you up? Because, you know, you lift up a lot of people in your daily life. Who's your coach? Who get, who brings you, you know, the spirit that you need to get over that hump? Like you could have packed your bags, 
gone back to Connecticut. Not like you would have done that, but you could have said, fuck this, I'm done. Um, unfortunately, I've never had the opportunity to say that because I cut myself off at 18. God bless. And, um, or I cut myself off in college, but uh, I've always had the mentality that I want to support my parents, not the other way around. So I've never had a safety net. And I've always, you know, with me, it's either you make it work or you find something else that's going to make it work. There's nothing else that you can fall back on. So I never had, a, I mean, fortunately and unfortunately, I've never had that, all right, pack your bags, go back and live with mom and dad. It's no, you better make something work, which is why we were talking about earlier about, you know, filling multiple buckets so that, you know, if one bucket dips over and has a leak in it, then you have your other buckets to kind of help carry you on. And then if you want to repatch and build that bucket back up, then you can do that. And it's just been a game of, <laughs> I always have way too much on my plate, but that also gives me the opportunity of, being able to have different safety nets if one of those buckets fail. Like for instance, the space that we're in. I tried to open up this space a year and a half ago, partnered with two guys to, to make it happen. And eight months in, I realized that one of the guys was being dishonest about his part of the business. And uh, Can you share, and I usually never on the show ask, can you share, I just ask it, but can you share what his part of the business was? Uh, well, we all three now were a third responsible for providing for the business and I didn't feel like he was pulling his weight at all. And he was in a different position with us where he had no safety nets or had no other buckets that could help him. And so he was kind of using us in his only bucket to try to serve himself. Mm. And uh, we were literally about to start. Um, we had our investors already ready to sign. And I said, don't sign, I don't trust this situation. And I got in a huge hole because of this. I put a lot of money into it. And that was another big thing that I had to kind of like repay and, and dig myself out of. But again, we keep pushing forward. I knew that Mark and Rick would have an amazing opportunity and really be able to take off with this space. So I said, <clears throat> you guys take the lease and, and roll with it. And now this space just soft opened and I'm so excited to see it grow. For reference, we are at the independent training studio. Spot. In the tra independent training spot, which is at 3 East 17th. Location e number five. Location number five, which is fucking crazy. I remember I've been to two other locations which are built out similar, super dope. And tell me what independent training stands for. Not stands for, but what, what's the vibe here? Well, as the name says, it's independent training spot. So it's all for independence, which really is I mean, they started before the pandemic started, but <clears throat> this is the perfect space for independent trainers to really flourish because <clears throat> where Performance House was the same business concept <clears throat> of having independent trainers run their own businesses independent of yep. the gym's business. Um, we were still like a full family and everyone kind of knew Performance House as that group of, or that set of trainers. We did, it wasn't a revolving door. Here, it's a very much revolving door, but it's really just you rent space out for whatever you need. Um, so whether it be one person, three people, a small group, uh, you can kind of use the space and just pay as you go kind of thing, which is an incredible opportunity for every trainer wanting to grow their business because you don't have to pay a set rent fee. You just pay as your business goes. And, and uh, so many trainers have built up an amazing business here and gone on to open up their own gyms or, or 
do other amazing things in this field. And, and I thank and give credit to Mark and Rick so much for providing a space for us to really have our own brand and flourish and him not saying, you need to be under me or this is my spot. Instead, he's just like, no, let me provide what you need to, to take off on your, on your own self, um, which is awesome. And my business is, has uh, definitely grown because of it, so. You know what they say, right? What do they say? The comeback's always better than the setback. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I have learned so, so much, and I feel like the last 18 months have all been the entrepreneurial, like, this, and I feel like I'm finally in a stage where I can be here, mm -hmm. and I can, because of my past experiences and my knowledge now, I know what deals are good, and I know what decisions I should be taking, and Yeah, listen, all, all, that, all your you know? setbacks were, were very, unfortunately, <clears throat> financial learning experiences, but they were all great learning experiences. Totally. You're young, it's something you're never gonna fuck up with again. Totally. And if anything, it's gonna be better for you for your future deals and any future negotiations. Yeah, thousand percent. Thousand percent. I have not signed so many contracts that were given to me that now when I look back, I am very, very thankful that I didn't. Um, so amazing. Yeah. No. And right now I'm kind of have no contracts. Uh, when you talk about brands, brands are something. And again, like you said, I only I'm very selective on who I work with. But <clears throat> that is definitely a focus of the next year is how can I get the best brands that I can help grow and help represent? Um, and grow together. Uh, how do I have brands that identify and, and love my mission and my image and, and wanna support me and, and being able to have that nice symbiotic relationship where we can just grow together. I fucking love it and I got ideas going through my head that we'll talk about <laughs> off camera once this show is done. Um, but tell me, what are you reading right now? Um, what am I reading? I'm reading, I, what is it? I think it's 24 or 25 laws of human nature. A friend of mine just, just gave it to me and, and it's an amazing book. You can split it up into different chapters, but it just kind of teaches you about people. Meaning like you could pick up any chapter and yep. it doesn't have to go in order. doesn't have to go in order. I love that. Uh, but you can just learn more about just like people in general, different personalities. And even though I feel like I learn about that every day through, <laughs> through all my training hours and sessions. Um, well, that's probably why you love it so much because <clears throat> yeah. you could, Relate, you can relate with it 100%. Yep. I just finished reading Goggins' book, Can't Hurt Me. Uh, how, good, how good? Mark gave me that book. It's so good. Did you read, read it or Audible? <clears throat> no, I read it. All right. So I did the Audible. And okay. after each chapter, they have an interview oh. where the guy who wrote it with him reads it. And then the two of them have an interview about what that chapter was about. Cool. It's fucking awesome. Is it on Audible? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'll download that. And I that. did it okay. like a week and a half in the gym in the morning. So I'm lifting while listening to it. And it's just powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Goggins' book is, is great. And, uh, and one of the reasons why I loved reading Goggins' book right now is because as an independent coach, as someone who just comes in the door, does their own business, and walks right out, what I loved about Performance House was I was around so many people that I wanted to learn from. The second you weren't in a session, you were asking people, hey, do you wanna train with me? Can, we, can you go over this lift with me real quick? Can you workshop this, or whatever, can I learn from you? And over the last year, I haven't really had anyone that I've had the opportunity to really have that with. And so, even though I've been dancing in all these different things and trying to make all these different things work for myself, 
without that kind of mentorship or guidance or even motivation sometimes and with all the failures that I've had recently you're just kind of like I'm just gonna sit in my apartment and just do what makes me money and not take any more losses and just you know like no no risk and reading Goggins book and and trying to identify more people in the industry who maybe are not in my immediate space, but maybe, again, that's also why social media is amazing is because you have access to all these people, you know, and can be pushed and motivated by all these different people. And that kind of just lit a new fire underneath me of you need to keep pushing, you need to keep, you know, doing the things that you're scared of and and keep growing because ultimately I, I love training, but I also love expanding my brand and I've really tried to again continue to find ways to grow and so having that motivation and and someone who is just so stubborn in self-development and growth is Mm -hmm. is just great to get a little bit of vibe from what's a book that you would recommend for anybody to read I mean that one for sure can't hurt me can't hurt me also uh love the daily stoic Um, another book that Mark has given me just because it really forces you to reflect again in the city we're running around like a headless chicken all the time and you can blink and three years go by and one thing that I've really tried to do since I've turned 30 (laughs) um, this year is uh, is get into journaling every day Um, because having that self-reflection having that having that talk with yourself of where are you? What do you? What are your goals today? What do you want to accomplish in the next month, the next week, and breaking it down to that small, you know, those small intervals or or whatever is benchmarks, is uh, has been really huge for me in terms of staying on task and staying focused and focusing on those one step forward versus the next ten steps. Amazing. And before I let you go, give me one word of advice for anyone trying to make it keep going don't stop like just no matter how many times you fail if you're really passionate about what you're doing and you know that what you're doing is to benefit other people and some something in this world don't stop because we need so many more people like that fuck yeah yeah that was fantastic Aww.